0: Pray with me this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of being in your word, and today we ask that as we're in your word, you would speak to us clearly, you would give us a powerful sense of your presence, and that you would enable us to be the people you have called to be in Jesus Christ. We pray in his name, the name above all names. Amen. I am not a dancer. You do not want to see me dance. It will be a frightening, frightening prospect. If you ever do, you may need to be hospitalized to recover from the experience. My wife has always been a very fantastic dancer. In fact, she taught dance uh, back in the day. And last night, as one of our Christmas presents to her, we gave her uh, an experience called a hip hop nutcracker. Now, if you're familiar with a nutcracker, it's a ballet. And personally, I'm not a fan of ballet. I don't think it has exclusively to do to the fact that men are running around in tights, but that might be part of it. Um, But this was a little different take on the Nutcracker. There were no men in tights. They were wearing a hip-hop kind of gear, and so we watched that. And uh, I think my wife enjoyed it a great deal. I, uh, you know, endured it a great deal, but that's a whole other thing. Christmas presents are not about me. So, um, again, back in the day, In the 70s, a dance genre was popular called disco. In fact, there were a lot of songs having to do with disco that I just cannot erase from my brain, unfortunately, because they were played so much back in the day on the radio, including a song called The Hustle. Now, if you've uh, ever seen anybody or listened to anybody uh, or tried to watch somebody do The Hustle, you'll know that it was indeed a profoundly popular disco dance. Why? Why? Uh, For the life of me, I do not know, but nonetheless, it was there. But we are now in the Christmas season. This is December 20th. It's the last Sunday in Advent. We are fully um, progressing towards our celebration of Christmas. And even in the middle of a COVID year, COVID pandemic year, there's the full hustle and bustle of the season, which is upon us. I'm reminded a lot about the hustle, because uh, frankly, um, um, I feel like I get hustled a lot sometimes. I The other day I renewed my Christianity Today subscription, the magazine that I read and I have access to their stuff online, and I renewed their subscription for several years and then the next day they offered renewals at a third of the price that I had paid the day before to renew my subscription. If you want a really, really good deal, no matter what you're shopping for, you should just follow me around, let me purchase something, and then as soon as I'm done with my purchase, the item will go on sale and you can get a better price for it. And then there's the bustle, right? All this crowding and, and even in the, again, the pandemic year, there's this traffic. Like the Walmart parking lot here in Emporia, that thing, I don't think it can hold any more cars and is usually there this week. And you watch this coming week and see, um, we've decided that for us to shop at Walmart during this coming week, it's easy now, easier now just to stay parked at home and walk to Walmart and do our shopping and come back in the middle of the hustle and the bustle it's easy to miss the main thing about christmas or to drag through it dog tired because of all the hustle and bustle or shame on us be kind of glad when it's over and we can breathe a sigh of relief but the thing is and this is what advent does for us it helps us to prepare and be ready to celebrate christmas When I took flying lessons, when I first started taking flying lessons, I was uh, being instructed in a Cessna 172. It's a high-wing aircraft, one of the Cessna lower-powered models. But in order to take off, you have to reach a full power, and in the Cessna 172, at least at the time, you had to reach 65 knots-indicated airspeed in order to get the thing off the ground. If you're not at full power, you don't get off the ground, and the plane won't stay in the air, which is kind of where it's supposed to stay. The Christmas season requires, in my view, full throttle before we take off. Not hustle and bustle, but power for the flight, power to enjoy the flight. And where do we get that power? We get that power from pondering the enormity of God's gift to us in Jesus Christ. So I think we need to shake off the bustle of the Christmas season. I think we need to enjoy God's promise and his fulfillment of that promise in Jesus. So first let's talk about this promise a little bit in the book of Isaiah chapter 9. I'm going to read verse 6. So if you're watching along on the on the uh, web page there's a Bible translation just to the right of the picture. You can click there and you can follow along or of course you can access your own Bible. I encourage you to actually have the Bible in front of you while we're doing this this morning to read along with me. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This promise is like a diamond with multiple shining facets. The first one, to us a child is born. To us. To us. It's really easy. I know in our culture it's really easy. It's been easy throughout the ages to get self-focused to really pay attention to us and to pay attention to nothing else and i don't want to fuel that idea this morning but this is important god sent christ for us when you doubt your value when your esteem is in the toilet when you feel like you have nothing to offer the universe, when you feel like you might as well just roll up and call it a day, when we doubt our value to God, we need to think about Christmas. Pastor Laura read the verse from the Gospel of John, for God so loved the world, he loved you and he loved me. In fact, in my Bible, I've over the words, the world, I've written me, for God so loved us that he gave his one and only son. So don't forget don't forget, this is God's value on you. This is God's value on us, that he loved us so much that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then in Isaiah, this son is described for us. He's described as the wonderful counselor. He is the originator. He is the caretaker, and he is the dispenser of divine wisdom. Now, to those of you who are fans of Handel's Messiah and the old King James Version of the Bible, really, it should be the case that the word wonderful modifies counselor. Wonderful counselor. Jesus never got the disciples together and said, okay, boys, what do you think I should do next? Jesus never tuned into the advice of People like Dr. Phil. Jesus never needed, does not need to consult social media influencers. Jesus is the dispenser of wisdom. He is wisdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. Christ Jesus has become for us wisdom from God without diminishing the value of human counselors, they can be incredibly important to help people get through difficult times. We need to recognize that we need, you and I, we need the essential wisdom, the essential counselor, counsel that comes from God. And when we go looking for human help, human counseling help, it's good to find those who also seek their wisdom from God. He's the wonderful counselor, Jesus. This son is also the mighty God. He is the holder of divine power. There are champions of all kinds and these days some of those people that we have overlooked as champions have become more prominent to us and rightfully so. Firefighters, police officers, military members, teachers, teachers, oh my goodness, teachers, particularly teachers who are teaching elementary and middle school and high schoolers. They are jumping through hoops that we did not even know existed before in order to continue to nurture the students under their care. Man, they're heroes. If you know a teacher, give that teacher a virtual hug, or better yet, get them a gift card to (laughs) Chick-fil-A. Godly parents. These people are heroes. Parents who have endured difficult circumstances, again, particularly during this year. Some parents have lost their jobs. Some parents have... Or watching the prospects of their unemployment insurance disappear. Some parents are pulling their hair out, those of parents that, you know, have hair, they're pulling it out, wondering what Christmas is gonna look like this year. They are endeavoring to demonstrate to their children and to their grandchildren and to their great grandchildren that they care. And these days, in particular, people like healthcare workers. Now I've had recent experience of being hospitalized during these COVID days, not thank God for COVID, but for something else. And let me tell you, I watched these people in action. I was amazed at their perseverance. And not just their perseverance, but their continual attitude of compassion while they were persevering with care. These people are heroes. All kinds of folks out there who day in and day out put themselves out there for the benefit of others. But those human heroes, they sometimes fail. Sometimes they're tired. Sometimes they just cannot muster the energy to to press on through. But Jesus, the mighty God, the holder of divine power, he is the invincible champion of those who cannot champion themselves. And he never fails. This son is also, and here's an identification of the trinity if you will he's also described as the everlasting father and this word father is colored for good or for ill based on our experience or our lack of experience with our own fathers but as this passage helps underscore this reality of uh, the trinity don't forget that the father the divine father is in the mix of the promise of Christmas. I've watched over the years the television development of fathers. Going from, and this was going to date me a little bit, but I looked these things up in the history book, and Pastor Laura told me about them, because she would experienced them firsthand. Father's like, Father knows best, right? That dad, he, he knew everything. He knew how to respond to the kid's trouble and trauma. He knew what it was, what it took, what he had to do to get done, the things he had to get done with his family. He was a good dad. And then there was a ward on leave it to Beaver. Man, Beaver found ways to get in trouble that had not yet been invented. But his dad ward, he knew, always knew how to navigate those troubles and then there comes the era of not so uh, um, uh, model dads on television tim the toolman, really and all those other fathers in those contemporary sitcoms which i confess to you i never ever watched but most of these fathers are pictured as inept bumbling fools <laughs> it's just not the picture You want to have in your head when you think about a father. I was blessed with a great dad. He wasn't a perfect dad, but he was a great dad. But I know that not everyone has been blessed with a great dad. But in the middle of even experiencing a less than great dad, here's the question. What would a perfect father look like? A perfect father would look like God himself. He does indeed always know what's best. He does indeed always do what is best. And this Christmas promise from the book of Isaiah is ultimate proof that God is really Dad. In fact, there's, a, there's an Aramaic word used in the New Testament when describing or addressing the Father. That Aramaic word is Abba. Abba. Not the 70s singing group, but Abba from the New Testament. This word means dad. Dad. Not father, even though he is majestic and worthy of our response in an awe inspiring kind of way. But yet, this father is dad. And Jesus comes at Christmas time to remind us of that aspect of the promise. Of God, And Isaiah also tells us that this son is the, the prince of peace, real peace. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. The, the word shalom is used even in contemporary Hebrew as a kind of a multi-purpose word. It can mean hello and goodbye and how's it going and see you later and all those kinds of things. At its root, though, the word means peace, but not just the absence of conflict. World War I started on August 4th, 1914, 106 years ago. When the war started, all those people in charge thought it would be over by Christmas of 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 1914. But by the time it ended in 1918, 16 million people had died as a direct result of the war. But in 1914, on Christmas Day, the guns fell silent. And soldiers, they peeked up over the trenches in which they had been positioned. And here, from Lieutenant Johannes Niemann, he says this, suddenly a tommy came with the football. A tommy was a reference to a British soldier. Teams were quickly established for a match on the frozen ground, and and the Fritzes beat the Tommies 3 to 2. The Germans beat the Brits 3 to 2. And if not fully-fledged matches, other soldiers' diaries and various reports also spoke about balls being kicked around in friendship. A huge crowd was in between the trenches. Someone produced a little rubber ball, so of course a football match started, one British soldier said. But the very next day, they went back to killing each other. And when we think about peace, because our experience of peace is largely colored by our experiences in the world. When we think about the word peace, what we usually mean is just an absence of conflict. But that is not what the Hebrew word shalom means. The Hebrew word shalom means that everything is in exactly the right place. No one is at odds with each other because everyone is where they're supposed to be. Everyone is doing what they're supposed to be doing. Peace, and this Jesus who comes at Christmas time, Isaiah says, he's the Prince of Peace. He's the Author of Peace. He's the Guarantor of Peace. Jesus settles the biggest fight on the planet, which is the fight you and I have with God because of our sin, and Jesus comes and he pays the price for our sin and establishes the opportunity for peace for you and for me. This is a peace which the apostle Paul in the book of Philippians called a peace of God, which transcends understanding. That is, it's an aspect of our faith life, which is, can be a bit mysterious. It can feel a little weird. It can feel a little weird to be in the middle of troubling circumstances, and yet have this kind of calm disposition in our hearts and spirits. Where does that come from as a Christian? We don't make it up. We can't generate it. What we can generate on our own is anxiety and troubles and worries, and oh my gosh, the world's coming to an end, and what's going to happen next? And if you watch the news, and don't do that because it goes crazy. We can't generate this kind of peace on our own. It's a product of a relationship with Jesus. And this passage from Isaiah reminds us again that we picked a fight. You and I, we picked a fight with the biggest guy on the block we picked a fight with god at one time i had two dogs in a household one was a wire fox terrier named lucy the other was a great dane named morgan now the great dane named morgan was a very tolerant dog she put up with a lot of stuff from that wire fox terrier but the wire fox terrier lucy was always picking fights with the great dane if you're a wire fox terrier don't pick a fight with a Great Dane, because you're going to lose. You and I, in our relationship with God sometimes, we're the wire fox terriers. We're picking a fight with God, and we pick our fight with God because of our sinful decisions, our sinful mindset, our sinful choices that we make. But Jesus comes. He's the Prince of Peace. He gives us a peace which is surpasses understanding, because He solved that problem that you and I have. But here we are in the year 2020, a year where there have been millions of promises made because it was a campaign year, it was a presidential election year, it was a congressional election year, it was a state and local level election year. Promises, 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 promises. Promises are no good unless there is fulfillment of those promises. And in Jesus, there's not only the promises made, but the fulfillment of those promises made. We've been kind of watching through a lot of uh, old Christmas movies and Christmas specials and stuff, and I have to confess one of my absolute favorites is a Charlie Brown Christmas, which for a limited time is available on Apple TV. No, I didn't get paid for that plug, but if you want to see it, that's where you got to go to see it. A Charlie Brown Christmas. You remember the story, right? Charlie Brown, the inevitable bumbler of life, he's given a responsibility as the director of the Christmas play. The kids who are in the play are the most uncooperative group of people that I have seen since Pastor Laura was teaching a fourth grade class. And they just won't cooperate at all. And so Charlie Brown is, you know, what little hair he has, he's pulling it out saying, I don't get it, I don't get it, I don't get it, what is this supposed to be all be about? Linus steps up to the plate. And Linus says, lights please. And then he recites this passage from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, starting in verse 6. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Fulfillment. And the Apostle Paul reminds us in that passage again that Pastor Laura read for us from 2 Corinthians that for no no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And Christmas is the beginning of our realization of all the promises that God has made to us. Now, here's the thing. God's promises are almost always fulfilled in ways that we don't expect. Here it is. This beginning of the fulfillment of these promises is in Jesus, who's born in a stable. No room in the inn. No vacancy. Check down the street. Can't house you here. Oh, look, there's a barn. The Son of God, born in a barn. Now, I have to share that there's at least one member of our family who is totally enraptured with all things having to do with british royalty just so you can figure this out it's not me but uh, the queen has a grandson who has a wife princess kate the duchess of cambridge and when she was expecting her baby she's had three of them now i think and the media is all aflutter for charlotte and george and louis they're all so cute mary Giving birth to Jesus at Bethlehem in a stable would be like Princess Kate giving birth in the corner of a Greyhound bus station, surrounded by the homeless, surrounded by can collectors and stray dogs. Jesus comes in a totally unexpected way, but he is the fulfillment of God's promise. And part of the joy, part of the joy of being related to God through Christ is that Jesus works, in unexpected ways. Gift giving is an interesting thing, I think. And these days, I have to confess that we've reached the place with our kids and grandkids where we just say to them, all right, what would you like for Christmas? And we go get it. Or we get them gift cards because they're gonna know what they want better than we're gonna know what they want. And it's kind of taken all the magic out of it. But nonetheless, we're parents and grandparents. This is what we do. But whatever happened to the joy of receiving a surprise gift? Whatever happened to unwrapping something and not having a clue what's inside the package? That's what life is like with Jesus. I had a friend in the military one time who left the military to go off to study for ministry. And he was talking one day. We just met him in a hallway. And he was talking. I was asking him how his transition was going. And. He says, you know what, here's what I think. He said, I think God has this plan unfolding for me for my life, which is, it's like a Christmas present, it's all wrapped up. And I get to unwrap it a piece at a time. I'm going to take the bow off, then I'm going to gently unwrap the paper, and then I'm going to open it up inside, and it's going to have all those really annoying little you know, peanut things they put in there to keep things safe. And I'm going to pull a few of them out, and I'm going to see the beginning of the top of it. Then I'm going to pull a few more of those peanut things out, and I'm going to see a little more of it, and more of it, and more of it. That's what relationship with God through Christ is like. He does not operate in predictable ways. He does not move according to our schedule. He does not take our list of things that we want down to the size and color and pattern and deliver those things in the way that we ask him to deliver those things. You know, I'm not the only person that does this. I'm not the only person that sends up my prayer requests to God complete with an attached how-to-get-it-done list, Lord. If you don't mind, please. Oh, no, by the way, Appendix B, that's the schedule. No. God works in unexpected ways. If you don't believe that, man, look at the first Christmas. Unexpected. King of kings, Lord of lords, born in a stable, straw, Stinky. Shepherds showed up. Those guys stunk. Surprise, surprise, surprise. That's how God works. Surprising ways. But here's the thing I want to encourage us with this morning. Christmas is only the beginning of the story. We embrace the beginning. And man, let's embrace it wholeheartedly whatever the trappings are or are not because of this year of COVID, whatever those things are or are not, whatever those normal things that we would have done that we're not able to do because uh, restrictions apply, wise healthcare restrictions apply, whatever those things are, I don't care. Let's put those things aside. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. The surprising gift at Christmas Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the surprising gift at Christmas, who comes to take us to be with the Lord God himself. Promises fulfilled in Christ. Let's revel in these promises, shall we? Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for all these promises that you've given to us in Christ We know, Lord, that sometimes, at least I know I sometimes take these promises for granted, but today, let not today be one of those days. Help me, Lord. Help us, Lord, to focus squarely on Jesus, who is himself both the promise and the fulfillment of the promise. We pray in his name, that name above all names.